So normally on Sundays, if you look at all of the three readings, there is usually a theme or maybe a couple of themes that connect the readings. And so as I was perusing the readings, preparing for today's Mass, I noticed that there was, at least in my reading, a sort of a strange and maybe unexpected theme. So the first reading from uh, Elijah, the Book of Kings, what do we see? He's been traveling through the desert, he's hungry, and he then begins to cry out to God, basically wishing that he was dead because of the difficulties he's going through, completely, or at least it seems, blowing this out of proportion, a sort of woe-is-me attitude at the smallest little inconvenience. The second, from Paul, he talks about this grieving of the Holy Spirit, a grieving the Holy Spirit. Instead of living in the joy and the happiness of Christ and the Spirit, it's an attitude that tends to be very cynical, negative, critical, and complaining. And then, of course, in the Gospel, we see the Jews murmuring against Jesus, and our Lord calls them out for it. This murmuring attitude, gossipy, complaining, grumbling, quite often passive-aggressive. These are three very negative characteristics or negative examples of traits that most of us can recognize and say that we do not think they're attractive. We don't want to see them in the lives of others or particularly in our own life. But yet, they are all characteristics of the characters of the most famous sitcom of all time, Seinfeld. Every single character in Seinfeld, particularly Jerry, George, and Elaine, typify these characteristics. We see them and we realize that they have them there, that these people are despicable individuals, but yet we laugh at them. These people are paradigms of narcissism. And every sort of self-centered selfishness particularly George Costanza, which we're going to get to more. But yet we laugh at them. Why? Yes, because it is funny. But also, I think, because on maybe a subconscious level, we realize we see all of these negative characteristics in ourselves. Blowing things out of proportion, the complaining, the cynical negative attitude, the murmuring. And so normally, though, we think of narcissists typified in these individuals in Seinfeld, is a certain type. It's very aggressive, the winner type. Hey, everybody, look at me, how wonderful I am, seeking attention, vindictive, when they are not, or they're not getting their attention. We see them in Hollywood. Sometimes we see them in politics. And so these are the traditional types of narcissists, sometimes sociopaths that we tend to see and identify with, but we could say there may be another type of narcissist, the Seinfeld narcissist, or what one priest will talk about a little bit later, a Father Bill Watson out of Seattle, a Jesuit who runs the Sacred Story Institute. He calls it passive narcissism. It's a little bit more subtle. There's a lot of victim playing, woe is me, critical, negative, self-pity, complaining, nurturing wounds and hurts, the exact opposite of a more aggressive 
selfish-centered narcissism. Now, granted, we all have these tendencies. Sometimes we can be the aggressive narcissist. Sometimes we can be the passive narcissist. And we can recognize it and overcome it. It's part of our fallen human nature. The real problem comes, however, whenever these tendencies and temptations become a pattern. We do them so often that they become part of our personality. Basically, you could say, occasionally when we do it, we can go to confession and overcome it. But when it becomes part of our personality, it's not attractive. You may think George Costanza is funny on TV, but George Costanza is not funny in real life. Jerry Seinfeld and Elaine are funny on TV, but they're not funny in real life. This very, very self-centered, victim-playing, passive narcissist. Now, how do I know, or how do we know that we're doing this, that we're exhibiting this type of passive narcissism? Well, the first thing that we can do is sort of make an examine. Father Bill Watson, who I mentioned earlier, uh, put out this sort of examine. Jesuits love to do examinations of conscience on big things, but also on very small, particular things. So he has the passive narcissist examine. And so we could take something like this every day and go over it to see, hey, am I falling into these tendencies? Or even worse, am I a passive narcissist? First, the person self-identifies as a victim. Oh, woe is me, everyone's against me. Number two, I'm not, wait, before I get to that, there are people who are genuinely victims, and we have to understand that and treat them. We're talking about people who self-identify as a victim, who play that part more than they are really victims. Number two, they are determined to have others notice how special they are by pointing to their suffering. Look, all these horrible things I'm going through, nothing is fair. They're cynical and they excuse bad behavior by insisting it is justified because how much they've suffered. I can do this, I can act like this because of all I've had to put up with. They wallow in self-pity when they're hurt, whether the hurt is real or imagined. Quite often it can be imagined. They blame anyone who criticizes or opposes them. They don't attack, they tend to blame. Protect themselves from being hurt again by keeping wounds as fresh as possible. If anything is too difficult or painful, they will retreat back into these painful memories, turn inward and away from others. Very self-centered. They win by emotional manipulation. They are secretly attached to their own woundedness, things that have happened in the past. They don't want to let it go. And then finally, they're terrified of taking control or personal responsibility and have difficulty admitting this, this, this desire to control to themselves. Now, maybe we don't have all of these, but if we notice these characteristics, we might say, hey, we are exhibiting some of this passive narcissism. Another way of knowing is maybe seeing if our friends notice it. They may say, hey, you're exhibiting some of this, or hey, watch out for that. We may not like to hear it, but quite often the people around us can see much better than we can. The third way, and this is probably the most decisive, if you leave here and complain about Father's homily, what a jerk he was for saying all of this, and you go murmur to your friends, chances are you're a passive narcissist. That's how it works. Just don't come complain to me. So what's the root? Well, what are the roots of these things? And most people would say, well, Father, it's obviously pride. You're prideful because of your wounds. You're prideful because of yourself. And you want all of the attention. 
And while that might be true, the truth is, at least from my experience, the roots of passive narcissism are deeper wounds, insecurities, things that often happen in the past or in the child, our childhood, quite possibly from our family of origins, the ways our parents did or did not treat us. Look at George Costanza's parents. If you've ever watched Seinfeld, I don't know how many of you are Seinfeld fans here, maybe this is making no sense to you. Look at his parents. That's why George turned out the way he did. They are the most dysfunctional individuals you'll ever see on TV. And so because of this wound, we play the victim in order to get attention. We whine and complain or negative or critical to make ourselves feel better. Now, how do we deal with it? How do we come to find solutions whether we see a little bit of it in our lives or we see a lot of it? The first and most important thing is self-awareness. To be able to look in ourselves and say, yeah, this situation's triggering my passive narcissism and my victim playing. To realize what we feel, what we go through, and to do the best we can to first recognize it and do our best to get it under control. If we can't realize that we're doing it, then we're never going to get any better. Number two, please do not be ashamed to seek counseling or therapy. It would be really great if you did. There are a lot of techniques that you can learn that can help you deal with this, and more importantly, through certain types of therapy, you can find some deeper healings for your wounds. We, as a culture, have got to have gotten beyond the fact that we think therapy and psychology is bad. We need that help, and it can do a lot of good. And we have some great therapists uh, in our community. The third was this. I think, as Christians and Catholics, one of the best and most important things that we can do, not the only thing, is to go to Jesus specifically in the Eucharist. And why do I say that? Well, partially because we are reading the Bread of Life discourse. That's what the Gospel's about, the Eucharist. But we have a lot of different names for Jesus in the Eucharist. And one of the most famous is from that hymn we sing at Benediction, written in the 13th century by St. Thomas Aquinas. O salutaris hostia, O saving victim. Jesus is that sacred victim who offers himself, sheds his blood for our sake. He is, yes, the priest, but he's also the victim, the lamb that is immolated, giving his life as a sacrifice for others. He doesn't gripe and complain when things don't go his way. He doesn't gripe and complain when he's suffering. He doesn't play the victim. He doesn't blame the Jews or he doesn't blame the Romans. And so if we can encounter Christ in the Eucharist, whether it be through adoration or through Mass and the reception of the Eucharist, ask him to heal and transform us, to not let us play the victim any longer, to get rid of that passive narcissism and so that we can learn to suffer, to sacrifice, and to love and live for others as he did. The Eucharist, the saving victim, is the key, I believe, for healing. Doesn't mean you're going to get healed the first time you receive Jesus, but the more we identify with him in the Eucharist, the greater the transformation will be. And so in conclusion, for those of you who are Seinfeld fans, the most famous, arguably, George Costanza quote, and George sort of typifying what I'm talking about, is this. Jerry, just remember, it's not a lie if you believe in it. It's not a lie if you believe in it. That's the point. 
We have got to be able to examine ourselves because so often we've built up these lies about who we really are, that we're these great people, that we never make any mistakes. But a self-examine, particularly in this point, we're going to be able to point out our faults, point out the lies and the truths, admit our tendencies, and to bring them to Christ so Christ, who is priest and victim in the Eucharist, can transform and heal us. Amen.